Biathlon is a unique Olympic event. It challenges participants with opposing athletic endeavors in a singular competition. It combines the heart-pumping aerobic aspects of cross-country skiing, matched with the intense focus of precision marksmanship, two diametrically opposing forces, testing every ounce of physical and mental strength of athletes. Welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. With each episode, Heartbeat brings you insights into this fascinating sport. Please join me for a shout-out to Heartbeat sponsor Paul Smith's College, the official higher education partner of U.S. Biathlon. One of the young breakout stories for the U.S. Biathlon team this past season was Maxime Germain. From his first world championships to more IBU World Cup starts to a medal at the Junior World Championships, it was a pivotal season for the 21-year-old athlete. Maxime has a fascinating backstory. He was born in Alaska, but grew up in Chamonix. He later returned to Alaska for high school. In our heartbeat conversation with Maxime Germain, we talk about growing up in two of the most spectacular places on our planet, and how he got into sport as a young boy in Chamonix, and also how this past season has set him on a very positive path in the sport of biathlon. Now let's join Maxime Germain for a conversation on Heartbeat. It is June, and that means the summer training season. Today, we're going to take you to the U.S. Biathlon team training in Lake Placid in the Olympic Village. And with us, Maxime Germain. And Maxime, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the Heartbeat podcast. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. What? Uh, give us a little sense of what's going on in Lake Placid right now. Uh, it's training camp, no snow, that's gone. And uh, you guys are hard at, hard at work out there. So what have you been up to out at Lake Placid? Well, we are one week in the camp. Uh, today it's raining, and we had a, a nice L3 session up Whiteface, uh, skate ski, and it, and it went pretty well. That sounds pretty grueling. What's that like going to the top of that mountain? It's a, it's a fun workout. We usually do it uh, as an intensity workout. So when we go up Whiteface, we don't have really time to enjoy the view, especially today. There was no view. It was just fog and in rain, but uh, it, it is a, a consistent uphill and you don't have a lot of rest, uh, which is good. It's, it's a good and hard workout, but it, it's for the best. What's the road surface like? Smooth, really smooth, actually. Good. And and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you take a ride down or do you ski down? I was actually thinking about, I, I was uh, wondering if it was possible to ski down today, but we usually take the, the car down. I think it would be do a lot of speed down that road. I think you'd have a lot of speed for sure. So life at the Olympic Training Center is a kind of a ritual for a lot of Nordic athletes. So what's a, what's a day in the life of uh, Maxime like at the OTC? Yeah, I, it's uh, I would say it's sleep, eat, train, repeat, but it's a little bit more more than that. Uh, it will be like a, a typical day would be wake up at seven seven thirty, a little bit last minute take a quick breakfast, good and healthy breakfast at the awesome cafeteria, go to the morning training, get that done, do a quick shower, get lunch, take a nap, do the afternoon workout, do a little bit of scat, dry fire, eat, and then go to sleep and repeat that for two weeks or a whole summer. Great. I know the cafeteria is an important place for you uh, with the carbs that you're burning uh, uh, or the calories that you're burning actually uh, all through the camp, but uh, they have good food at the OTC, I hear. Yes. Yeah. They 
apparently used to have not not that good of a food at that cafeteria before, but now they've they've stepped their game and it's like awesome food. Yesterday we had we had a pretty hard workout in the morning and we came back to uh some pokey some pokey bowl which was pretty awesome. You finish your workout, you get there and you just have like one of your favorite meals ready to ready to eat. So sounds like a good place to be. Uh, Maxime, you've, you've had the uh, experience of growing up in a number of really cool places around the world. Why don't you give us your backstory, uh, where you grew up, how you got into the sport? Yeah, I do have a pretty weird background. I was born in Alaska, June, Alaska, and that's where I get my, uh, my dual citizenship from. Uh, I did move back to France like right after I was born, so I did not spend much time as a kid. Uh, in the U.S., uh, grew up in France, grew up in, in Chamonix, in the Alps, for the people who know. Started skiing when I was six uh, with the school, and then with the, the little club team they had. Started Bafon at 12, got introduced to Bafon by uh, my coach, Georges Moreira and Tophie Camp, who's now waxed for the, the French Bafon team, and they really ingrained the, the love for that sport. I did a lot more sports before Bathon. I did some speed skating and then some ski jumping when I was 12. I uh, really liked ski jumping, but uh, it was a little bit hard for practices right after school or long of a drive. And Bathon really worked perfectly. So started and haven't stopped yet. You know, I think when many of us think of Chamonix, we think of the Agui de Midi and Mont Blanc, and and uh, I don't think oftentimes people think, but Chamonix has a great Nordic tradition, doesn't it? It does. So Chamonix had the first winter sport in 1924. I think those Olympics really helped uh, put an image to that valley, and a lot of people with different backgrounds came and settled and created this environment of sport that has sticked until now. Um, it does have more of an alpinist and a mountaineering atmosphere, but there's a lot of Nordic biking. The, the Nordic trails aren't the greatest. There's, there's better out there, but it is beautiful. You'll be skiing from the town to the, the river, and you'll have the shooting range, and it, it's, it's a beautiful little ski. We're going to talk in a minute about your return to America and your time in Alaska in high school. But while you were in Chamonix, who were some of your big heroes? I mean, there was a great heritage for French biathlon the time that you were living there. Who did you look up to? Well, of course, when I grew up, there was, there was Martin Fourcade, Martin Fourcade, who was uh, dominating the sport. Uh, he was definitely one of the reasons why I joined biathlon. Nordic in France is not, not as big I mean, it is pretty big, but it's not as popular as it is in the U.S. or Scandinavia. Bathon is definitely like the, the go-to sport when you have to decide. But there is uh, Enora Latuer, which is uh, Antonin Guigona's girlfriend, who did Bathon. And she was like a senior. She was entering senior when I was entering Bathon. And I remember she would pass by at the range or at practices, and we would be skiing behind her. And we'd be like, whoa so cool. Or there was also um, Anaïs Chevalier who just retired, but I would train with her around her. She doesn't train with a lot of people. We would be sharing the bathroom range in Chamonix on, on winter breaks or Christmas break. And it would be, it would be pretty cool, cool opportunities uh, I had. 
So you eventually did make your way back to Alaska, went to high school there. How was that transition back? And were you able to then continue your biathlon when you moved back to Alaska? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's really a move back because I, I didn't really see Alaska as my home when I moved to Alaska. But I was expecting to do one year in the U.S. I didn't have to go through any programs, exchange student programs, because I had dual citizenship. So I just went to the to a family, a family we, we knew-ish. Yeah, we found we found the, the Bafon Club that was based out of Kincaid. It worked out fine. I was doing practices, getting rides from, from Bafi who lived in Eagle River and um, made it work. It was a little, little rough, not going to lie. Shooting in the dark at, in the winter was, was quite, was really hard to motivate, get motivated to go after a high school practice or after high school and shoot for two hours in the dark and like minus five Fahrenheit. Pretty crazy. Who were some of your teammates and coaches when you were in Alaska? It started with Zach, Zach Hall. And then he moved pretty quick out of there. Marine Dusser, who was French from Vercors, which is not the part I'm from in France, but it's close enough. There is a lot of coaches passing by. I would say what, what really helped me stay in, in Bafon and Nordic. When I was in Alaska, it was, was APU. Their junior program was, was quite awesome. And I had a good group. Uh, and I really value having a good group and, and team environment. I really enjoyed my my training and my hours of training in Alaska. From from there, what were your steps to make it up to the national team level over the last couple of years? Well, I did some trials. First trials were in Minnesota and qualified for Junior Worlds, I believe, 2017, season 2017, 2018 uh, in Otepa. And that was kind of the start. Didn't really expect to make the team, but made the team had an awesome uh, junior world, not not result wise, but it was just an awesome experience. I saw my family in in Estonia, in Otepa, Estonia, for the first time in like a year and a half. So it was quite emotional. And then it made uh, every junior world since, except uh, Obertiliak, and then made from junior team to X team, from X team to uh, A team. And you were one of the many biathlon athletes who've also chosen to get into the National Guard program. How has that worked for you? And are you, you're still involved with that program, right? Yes, correct. I'm three years into my, my six years contract, and it's going pretty well right now. I joined because there's mostly a lot of great biathletes that were training with them. We also have an awesome facility in Jericho, Vermont, which made it a big plus for for signing that paper, and there's a really good staff who who's behind the behind the whole group who puts a lot of time and effort into it. Yeah, it really it really is a great program. Let's let's take a look at this uh, this past season, which was really a milestone year for you with uh, results and also stepping up a little bit more to the a lot more really to the World Cup. But but you skied quite a few World Cups this year. That was a big step up. You made the World Championship team, and you also ended up with a, a really strong Junior World Championships uh, with a, picking up a bronze medal. Take a look back for us and recap this past year and you know what kind of came together for you to make this a successful athletic year yeah he came into the season with not not a ton of goals i just know i wanted to have a consistent year came into it kind of lucky unfortunately my teammate paul schumer got injured 
and they give me a spot for that training camp because I didn't I didn't qualify for uh, the the beginning of the season training camp in Volkati. Uh, I didn't do really good in Utah, but ended up qualifying for um, the first World Cup of the year in Contalati, and then it just continued in a pretty smooth way. Got a a really unexpected result at the IBU Cup in Osterbley, and that was a huge boost for um, my, I think, career and season. And uh, I just really ended up relaxing into it and, and feeling confident. And then went into Junior Worlds with, I was really relaxed and, and quite emotionless when I, I was racing. I was just having fun. I was having fun, so I had emotions, especially after that medal. A lot of emotions with uh, my teammates, and it was an awesome season. Looking back, I, I have no regrets. Let's talk about that medal at Junior Worlds. I know that for those of us who are fans and we look at the events, uh, we quantify everything based on on medals and measure success that way. I know that as an athlete, you look a little bit more deeply at what you do. You look at your shooting. You look at how you're improving with your ski speed. But what did that medal mean to you at Junior Worlds? Was it a validation of the work that you've been doing? And did you really look at that as having been a really good race for yourself? Yes. I mean, medals will always be a validation. I think you'd be wrong for not thinking it is a validation. But I looked at it in a in a different way, meaning I remember what I mean is I remember uh, in Lindsay Hyder when I got my first medal, I, I remember looking at the, the junior field and, and being so kind of scared. I was, I was I remember seeing those junior racing and, and being this is the level I'm going to be expected to race at in the next couple of years and I, I was really nervous to enter the, the junior field and being able to to get a podium and, and being one of the best juniors in the world at that race put such confidence in me and now when I'm racing World Cup and, and I'm far back or, or close to the top telling myself that it's not, not that far out of reach and it's everything's possible. You gained a lot of World Cup experience this year. I think you did five or seven, uh, seven different five, five or seven different weekends uh, on the World Cup. Uh, but but you were racing World Cup for most of the season long. Their results are a little bit hard to measure. But what did you take away mostly from that experience in being able to race weekend after weekend in continuity on the World Cup? What was the experiential takeaway for you? Uh, it was a lot, a lot of racing. So I was. I wasn't um, expecting a lot, especially because of my my couple uh, couple years background. I haven't had a lot of consistent years of racing and training. So last summer was one of my first consistent training year, I'd say, where I was able to train nonstop uh, with not a lot of sickness and a lot of training camps. So that was like one of my huge, one of my biggest goals was a, a consistent training year and the consistent um, racing year was also it was like a really perfect curve i i know i have a couple i took a couple notes this winter on, on what i need to work on took a couple races off which pissed a lot of people off but as a junior you you have to to know when to call it you do have a certain amount of racing you can do in the winter but you need to know when to call it and i know i know what to work on now Cool. Well, we're going to take a short break here on Heartbeat. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Maxime Germain a little bit more about putting in perspective the next phase of his career and also exploring a little bit more about what he enjoys about biathlon. We'll be right back on Heartbeat. Heartbeat will be right back with Maxime Germain. 
I want to fill you in on a new U.S. biathlon partner, Paul Smith's College, the official higher education partner of U.S. Biathlon. Paul Smith's College takes pride in the programs that it has established to offer athletes a college education and sports-specific training, all nestled in New York's Adirondacks. From an outstanding trail network to its eight-point biathlon range, Paul Smith's College is a great environment for athletes who want a small college located in a sports-centric region. To learn more, go to paulsmithsbobcats.com. That's paulsmithsbobcats.com. Now let's get back with Maxime Germain on Heartbeat. We're back now on Heartbeat with Maxime Germain at his training camp with the U.S. Biathlon team in Lake Placid. And Maxime, we talked about your season, a great breakthrough season for you, setting new milestones and benchmarks. Can you put that last season into perspective as you look forward? That one's in the record books now. But as you look ahead to the 23-24 season, how does last year help you to prepare and set new goals for the season ahead? Well, the next years are going to be quite different because I'm not going to I'm not going to be a junior anymore. So it will be a lot more uh, competitive. Um, but I want to stay in that progression curve. I think it's quite important. Just always looking forward to better results, uh, more hours, obviously more, hopefully more medals. When you start, you can't, you can't stop. But I think it's important to, um, prioritize quality and not quantity. And I'm, that's what I'm aiming for this summer training. And I think that's what I want to do for the next couple racing season. Really focus on that, that quality of racing and not trying to do like every single race in the winter. Obviously, I will try to do every race in the winter, but it, it taxes a lot. It takes a lot out of your body. Those travel days and and change of scenery, sickness. So I'm, I'm really going to try to stay consistent and prioritize my priorities. Did you learn a little bit of that last year when you spent time on the World Cup? Uh, A little bit of maybe how to manage yourself, how to manage your mind, how to manage the physical aspects of your body. Was there a good learning experience for you in that last year? Uh, For sure. For sure. You got to have fun, I think. I think that having fun on the road is the most important because if you're not having fun, something's wrong. Having fun, having a good group, trying to maximize your time which i don't always do but you're spending most of the winter in hotel rooms and you gotta you gotta stay healthy in a way and gotta obviously stay healthy in a physical way but also in a in a mental way because it's a long it's a long winter are there things that you do consciously to kind of break up the athletic part of it do you go on walks do you go sightseeing do you do fun things for yourself when you're on the road well, in the winter, it's a little hard, but in the summer, I, I do, yes. I do a lot of kiting. When there's wind on, on Lake Champlain, I'll be, I'll be putting my, my, ki- my kites out and ripping on the water, uh, which is a super fun sport, I recommend. Or I'll be um, cruising with the longboard, and I'll be also biking, mountain biking, which is used for training as well, but I like to mountain bike just for fun. But in the winter, it's a little, a little harder because you have to stay in the the recovery rhythm, and you gotta prioritize your racing. So you got you gotta stay healthy in a you obviously gotta stay healthy in a, in a mental way, but you also gotta stay focused in the in the for the racing. 
Let's talk about that recovery phase. I think that's something that's often overlooked in training programs and on the road, but how how much attention do you as an athlete pay to that recovery period after a workout or after a big event? A lot of people think that recovery is priority number one of training. You, you got to do training, but if you can't recover, you can't train. So recovery is the most important. And I remember, I remember really vividly that uh, I asked some tips to the, the older boys on the World Cup, what I should do as a young, as a young junior and what I should prioritize. And they're like, I think you should really learn how to travel and how to recover and how to, how to use those, those early age to, to see what works with your those those travel days because those travel days takes a lot out of you. I really forced myself to like drink water when we we're on those long drives through Europe and go on those easy jogs after that drive and put the legs up after the drive and eat a lot of food. Cool. Let's let's explore biathlon itself. This is a fascinating sport. The combination of skiing really getting your heart going with the ability then to calm yourself down and shoot accurately. What are some of the things that have really made this sport interesting for you? I obviously am a a Nordic lover. I I love skiing. I really enjoy classic skiing as well. And it's kind of a bummer that they actually didn't, um, didn't do a classic ski biathlon as they said they as they said they were going to do on April 1st of 2020 I think I was I was really excited but then I, I remember it being an April fool but I found the the added challenge of of shooting really fun and and thrilling it's like the number one winter sport in Europe and I, I don't think it's uh I understand why like it, it's a uh, really fun to watch and man it's like fun to race as well so yeah it's an interesting sport let's go back to your childhood when you picked up the sport in Chamonix what was the element of it at that point that caused you to say hey this is something that I want to do well I I had an awesome coach Georges I was like really passionate about what he was doing and really was making it a fun fun sport to learn we had a lot of games and I had also a really good training group. That combination was super fun. I really enjoyed shooting and the, the precision and, and that whole aspect of it. But I think the, the group and the environment uh, really made me love it at first. Yeah, it is really an interesting sport. Well, Maxime, we appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us here today on Heartbeat. We're going to wrap it up with a section that we call On Target. I've got a few final questions for you. And I want to start out with what I know is one of your passions, and you probably don't have a lot of time to really play it out right now. But what is, I know you have an interest in being a pilot and uh, flying on uh, uh, wings of airplanes uh, up in the sky. But what are some of the elements about flying that makes you hope to someday be a become a pilot yeah so i did put my my flight path on pause because it's a little hard to do both definitely doable but i am i wanted to put on a pause and i think when i if i take it back if i go back on that aviation path i will probably go on smaller airplanes because i really enjoy the the loud noise of those little engine single engine and 
my dream is to have a little cabin, a little lodge on the, the Aleutians or somewhere in Alaska. I don't know where, but somewhere in the wild and have it on the coast and have that surf. Fly into the cabin, lodge, and then surf, surf or kite surf. That could be an option too. I can I can see the business model coming together right now. So uh, you've lived in two amazingly great places. What's the coolest thing about living in Alaska? Not having any sunlight in the winter. That's definitely uh, awesome. I think a lot of people love it. But no, not too more seriously. I really enjoyed the the wilderness. The wilderness of Alaska was quite exceptional, especially coming from from the alps there is wilderness but not not as much as alaska there's there's so much more animal like there's just beasts on the trails you'll just be skiing on a, a easy ski in kincaid and you'll have like a, a huge moose that will just stop your workout and then you, and you just have to deal with it you just have to stop because the moose is a priority but also really i remember when i moved to alaska i really I remember the um, how how big the space is, how how huge the the mounts are, and you, you just feel really you're able to breathe because in Chamonix it's a lot of closed mountains and it's not claustrophobic, but it's just kind of you see the mountains a lot more than in Alaska is huge. What is the coolest thing now about living in Chamonix? Having the the vibe of a city and having people walking around with crampons and and ropes and um, ice axes, I think that was quite quite cool growing up. And also living around so many different sports, it was being um, being able to choose what sport I wanted to do at such an early age was quite quite awesome. Uh, I could have done alpine skiing, which actually I did for a little bit, but. I could have stayed in alpine skiing. I could have become a snowboarder. I could have become an alpinist. I could have become a guide. I could have become like whatever I wanted. And that was, that was quite awesome. Cool. Getting back to biathlon. What is your favorite biathlon venue around the world? Favorite biathlon venue? To train, I would probably say Chamonix because it's pretty cool. You have a really cool mountain range in, around it. You have like this awesome peak, which is called Les Drues, and you're just shooting, and you have this awesome view. But if I would say, if if I could, if, if I should choose one for racing, I'd say uh, Oakshelton. I didn't have awesome races over there this year, but I really enjoyed the the snow and and sun. Oh, also Antos. Antos was quite crazy, but I didn't do I didn't do good at all. So, was this your first time in Antos this year? It was. It was. South Tyrol is beautiful. I recommend going. It really is. Last question, and this is probably going to be the toughest one of all. In one word, just one word, what does biathlon mean to you? I would say roller coaster. That's a great one. Maxime Germain, thank Which you. Which is two words. It, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, there's no wrong answers on this. So, Maxime Germain, thank you so much for joining us on Heartbeat. We wish you the best of success this season in your career. Thanks for having me, Tom. What a fun conversation with Maxime Germain. Keep an eye out for him next season. Before we go, I want to send a final shout out to Paul Smith's College, the official higher education partner of U.S. Biathlon. To learn more, go to paulsmithsbobcats.com. That's paulsmithsbobcats.com. 
Remember to subscribe to Heartbeat to get every episode delivered directly to you. Thanks again to Maxime Germain for joining us today on Heartbeat. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. 